Uh, today's scripture reading is from uh, John 6, verses 28 to 35. In the Pew Bibles, it's on page 755. John 6, 28 to 35. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Let me remind you again that we will have class next Sunday morning. We will resume 945 for our class time and then our regular worship at 1045. I want to mention too, thank you to John Casella for the job you did at our Christmas Eve service. I was not here, but I heard very good reports about Christmas Eve. So thank you, John, and those who participated. Also to Colin Hattrick for uh, last Sunday morning. And I think Colin led our time together, and I'm grateful also to Colin for the work that he did. It's very nice for me to uh, know that while I'm away, there are not just competent people, but spiritual people who love the Lord and who do a great job uh, while I'm away. And so I really appreciate all of that. Well, this time of year, uh, there are a lot of you who, if you're like me, have pants that are too tight this morning. And that is the case with me. I was putting on these pants this morning, and I said to Robin, these are tighter than they were a few weeks ago when I put them on. And so there are probably some of you who, in addition to having pants that are a little bit too snug, are also thinking that this is the time to diet. My son is a personal trainer in Arkansas. We were spending some time with him over the holidays at my in-laws. And he said, boy, he said, when I get back, things will be busy. Because everybody comes in, you know, the health club, just all of a sudden, that's the busiest time of year. So all these people who will get these memberships and they think, well, I'm going to do this for the next three years. And so they sign up and then they go a couple of times. And about the middle of February, it's all done. But they're still paying. Have you noticed that? And that's probably you. But let's hope that things will be different for you. So you've you've made this decision that you're going to uh, diet. So I have a couple of quotes here about dieting this morning uh, that I think will really, really encourage you. Inside some of us is a thin person struggling to get out, but they can usually be sedated with a few pieces of chocolate cake. Far more people die in the industrialized world of too much food than of too little. Oh, think about that now. I think there's some real truth there. Far more people die in the industrialized world of too much food than of too little. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you diet. It's been said. Um, I've, I've been on a diet for two weeks, and all I've lost is 14 days. A diet is the penalty we pay for, expedi- for exceeding the feed limit. That was really bad. Not, these are not at all like my jokes. 
which are a lot different. Thank you for calling the dieting hotline. If you would like to lose one pound, please press one 18,000 times. Did you get that one? Sheila, did you like that? Look at She thought that was so bad she put her head down. And then the last one, I'm a light eater. When it gets light, I start eating. Well, if you, if you are going on a diet in 2011, I have some advice for you. This morning, and I'm, I'm serious about this, I'm officially encouraging you on behalf of the elders to eat as much as you would like in 2011. In fact, I'll take this a step further. There seems to me to be about three basic reasons for someone to eat. People eat for health and the sustenance of their lives. In other words, just maintenance. Keep yourself alive. People eat not just to maintain, but, and children do this certainly, for growth. Now, a lot of us, we eat and we grow. That's not what we wanted. But there are a lot of children, especially, who eat for the purpose of growth, especially uh, uh, those who are younger. And then people eat for pleasure. And we eat because we love the feeling that we get when we eat. Isn't that true? Like we tend to think, well, I eat because I need to eat so that I can stay alive or I can grow if I'm a kid or whatever. But isn't it true that a lot of us eat just for the pleasure of eating? And aren't there lots of times in your life when you say, well, I'm not all that hungry, but you do anyway. You eat anyway. Because it tastes good. And especially if someone's prepared a big meal, we just want to eat. So, in this year, in 2011, I want to take away the guilt. I'm encouraging you to eat. Eat as much as you want in 2011. Eat what you do for the sake of your maintenance, for your growth, for your pleasure. And I would even say this, and I'm going to go somewhere in this, with this in just a second, but I would say that we even need to eat more than we usually do. We need to eat because we don't eat enough. And given the abundance of the opportunities that we have in our culture for us to eat, we really need to be eating. Personally, I'm encouraging you more than anything to eat this year for the sake of pure pleasure. Now, doesn't that sound terribly hedonistic? And so, in case you are thinking, he left his mind behind in the States when he came back. Let me tell you where I'm really going with this. And it relates specifically to this passage that we read already from John chapter 6. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, please do. John chapter 6, verse 28. Jesus asked him, what must... Then they ask him, sorry. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not... Moses, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. It sounds just like the woman at the well when she says, give me this living water that you're talking about so I'll never have to drink again. They ask the same question or they make the same request. Can you please just give me this food? I'll never have to eat again. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's pray. Holy Father, I pray that you would bless us in the year 2011. Father, we want to have enough to eat. We want to have enough to drink. We want to have enough in our lives that will sustain us. We want our bodies to be maintained with healthy food. Father, we want to be filled with the things that we need. We want our children to eat and grow. And Father, we even want to experience the pleasure that comes with the good things that are provided with physical food. But God, more than anything, I pray that in 2011, that the eating we do, the drinking we do, the taking in of good things for us will be of an entirely different kind. Father, I pray that you should help us instead to focus on what it means to be your children what it means to take in spiritual food and to grow and be blessed and sustained and even thrilled with the pleasure of being blessed by you and knowing you in 2011. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Psalm 119. The book of Psalms 119. You know, preachers oftentimes preach on this passage from John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life, and they make some meaningful things, make some meaningful comments about, uh, about this passage. And it's not uncommon for them to talk about the fact that Jesus as the bread does indeed sustain us, that we live because we eat something and Jesus gives us spiritual life. Or we can talk about how if we feed on Christ, that growth will be ours. And I think that's exactly right. It's not as often, however, that we talk as, as, as much about, as pointedly about, the notion of pleasure when it comes to spiritual eating. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. It is one thing... For us to recognize that in Jesus Christ, our spiritual life exists. That we live only because of Jesus. That if we're going to be alive in 2011, spiritually, it's going to be because of our focus on Christ. It's one thing for us to understand that. And that's very important. And if you're here this morning, and, and let me just say, it's, it's very possible. Someone could come in this morning. You're thinking it's a new year. Because it's a new year, I'm going to start some kind of new spiritual quest. A new spiritual walk. And I've... I've Chosen the street down here on the corner. I'm going to go there this morning and see what that's like. And let me say that if that's the case with you, I think you've come to the right place. When it comes to spiritual life and health, I think that Jesus is the answer for our world. 
I don't think that there is another answer. You know, this morning, I, I got up early. I was looking on the Internet at all the news things you know, that, that come into my computer every day. And I noticed that there were 21 people who were killed yesterday, on New Year's Day, in Alexandria, Egypt. Did you hear about this? There was a bombing. And there was a religious faction that decided that they wanted to persecute Christians. And so they bombed a church building as people were coming out after their New Year's Day service in Alexandria. There were 21 people from the church that were killed. Persecuted simply for the fact that they were Christians. And, and I, I can see how a person would think, well, maybe this whole idea of being a Christian or being a strong devoter, devotee of Christ is not, uh, it's not really for me. I, you know, why are people bombing them? But I want to say, let's continue to worship Jesus. And if it means that we're persecuted for the cause of Christ, then I guess that's what it means. But I'm totally convinced that our devotion to Christ is the answer not only for ourselves, but for the world. And so if you have walked in this morning off the street and you don't know Christ, if you're not a Christian, I just want to encourage you to continue to seek. Certainly don't let something like a challenge to uh, to your faith, like people being persecuted in another place, be a challenge to you. I think that Jesus is the answer and that we need to worship him with all of our hearts. And so let me just say that from the beginning. Jesus really is the answer for our world. This is the place that we need to come for spiritual food. And I hope that you have come here for that reason. And I hope that today you are richly fed by beginning to understand who Jesus is. But for for most of us, though, it's not our first time around the block in terms of Jesus. This isn't the first New Year that you've faced. is isn't the first New Year sermon that you've heard. Preachers stand up, like I said, and they talk on New Year's Day even about how we need to become more devoted to Christ. This needs to be the year when we devote ourselves to Jesus and become all that God wants us to be. Well, I, I think that's good. We need to do that. But not just this year for the sake of spiritual sustenance. Certainly for that. But what I want to say this morning is that I don't want to just eat to live And just eat Jesus and feed on my relationship with Christ to live. This morning, I want to focus specifically on the notion of joy. I want to focus this morning specifically on the pleasure that I get out of feeding on Christ. And it is abundant. I can't tell you the number of times in my life when I have looked at my wife and I have said, Honey... I think I'm the happiest guy there is in the world. I've said that to her numerous times. And the reason I've said that is not just because I have a wonderful wife and wonderful kids. It's not just because life is so pleasant for me and I have this beautiful church family that loves me and that I love. It's not all those things. It's it's those, but it's not just all those, of course. It has so much to do specifically with my relationship with Christ. Jesus brings me real joy. Jesus brings me real excitement. What it means for me to be a Christian is just an exciting, wonderful, pleasurable, joy-filled thing. And sometimes when I feed on Jesus, it's not just because I'm trying to really work out my salvation with fear and trembling, and I'm really wanting to grow and and be right into the Word this year as as I move deeper into Christ. Sometimes it's that, but sometimes it's just because being a Christian is an absolute blast. And knowing God 
and being one with him is just so fun. Now, I don't know if you get the same joy that I do in praying. But I get genuine excitement and joy when I pray. It's a wonderful experience. I love praying. It's really, really fun. And the reason why is because at that moment when I'm in prayer, I'm talking to somebody who loves me, cares for me, who wants to have fun with me too. And for me to relate with God is just a joyful experience. I have the same kind of experience when I'm reading my Bible. You know, I find a lot of times, I, I talk to people frequently about the idea of reading their Bible. And it is not uncommon at all for people to say to me, to tell you the truth, Kelly, it bores me. I'm just being honest. People do say this. Some of you right now are thinking, yeah, I've had that experience. Where people just weren't really getting anything out of it. It just really didn't mean anything to them. It, it didn't turn their crank. Which, honestly, I find amazing. It's just such a different experience for me. And, I, and I'm not calling into judgment those who have that experience. I'm just telling you that for me, it's just so different. I find myself constantly filled with a joy when I approach the scriptures. There's something that happens to me when I read the Bible. Something that happens between myself and God. It's a spiritual experience. And not just a spiritual experience like a deep spiritual experience, but a joyful spiritual experience. I can get excited about reading the Bible. I can't tell you the number of times when I have been alone reading the Bible and something will happen, I'll, I'll read something and I get so excited that I'm looking for someone to share it with. And there's nobody there. It'll be the middle of the night at my house, early in the morning or whatever, and something, and I'll think, oh, I just want to share this wonderful insight and this blessing and this joy of having the Word of God communicate to me right now the way that it is with somebody else. That's one of the reasons why I like to get up on Sunday mornings and talk to a bunch of people and talk to them about the Bible. Because when I read the Bible, it fills me with such joy. And so I want to, as you move into 2011, I want to encourage you to broaden your perspective here. Open your eyes a bit. Drink in the possibility of God communicating with you in your quiet times with Him in such a way that it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's not just knowledge that you gain. It's not even just a closeness with God which you experience. But open yourself to the possibility of actually experiencing joy in Christ, joy in God, as you approach Him in the coming year. Because I think this is a very real possibility for you too. Now, if you think, Kelly, you're the only one in the world who ever has that experience, let me tell you that I'm not. And when I turn to the book of Psalms, and I look at chapter 119... I see something different than just the gaining of knowledge. But I see something joy-filled. And so, for example, verse 97. Chapter 119, verse 97. 
The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Now, here's a person who is confronted, he says, with constant enemies. And yet, because of the wisdom that he gains from the word of God and reading, just studying God's word, that it blesses him and fills him with excitement. He says, I love it to be able to spend this time with God, despite the fact that there are enemies around me. Look at uh, verse 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are a joy of my heart. The joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Now, I, I think this is, for most of us as Christians, this is a bit of a, uh, an anomaly. Like, uh, if I was to ask this morning, how many of you, in the last month, spent time in the Word of God and out of it, gained this incredible amount of joy. Not just knowledge. You didn't just learn something. You weren't just in a class where something was taught to you and you, you took in that knowledge and grew from it. But I'm wanting to know if there were any of you in the last month who got absolute rapturous joy out of being blessed by your experience of the Word of God. My guess is that if I were to ask you that, there aren't that many of you who had that experience. Now, it might be that that's the case because you didn't read it. Maybe you haven't spent any time in the Word in the last month. But it also might be because you were looking at it differently. You were looking for a different kind of experience. And we're we're sometimes taught this way. Look for this sense of knowledge that we get from the Word when we're reading And I'm wanting us to do something different. Not just to read for knowledge. But to read for the experience that comes out of being confronted by the Spirit of God in His Word. I'm absolutely convinced that the Spirit uses the Word to teach us. But I also think that the Spirit uses the Word to bring to us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And what's the next one? Joy! If the Word of God is there working, and the Spirit is working through the the Word to bring us something, namely the fruit of the Spirit, then joy is going to be part of what the Spirit brings to us. And it only makes sense that when you and God, through your experience of the Word and through experience of prayer, are spending time with Him, it just makes sense that the Spirit is going to bring joy into your life through those avenues. And so I want this year for you to just kind of open yourself up to a new perspective on what it means for you to experience your time with God. I'm not going to ask this morning how many of you have a prayer time or how many of you have a quiet time. Spiritually, we'd be really failing and, and in some sense bankrupt if we didn't have time With the Lord. You already know that. But how is it that you use that time? What do you use it for? And I would say. Don't just use it for knowledge. Use it for encouragement. Use it for joy. 
Use it for that blessing that God wants to give you through His Spirit as you spend time with Him. Now, for some of you, this is old hat. You can tell. You can tell the ones for whom this is routine. Because the joy that they experience in Jesus can't be contained. It just comes out of you everywhere. But for some of us, it doesn't come out as much. And God wants it to. He wants you to experience Him at that level, that level of joy, and for something to happen that's significant for you in your times with Him. Keith, could you bring that slide up for me, please? And if you'll just hit the button here, the next one. I, I don't have the remote. It's sitting next to my wife. I forgot. But Keith can hit the buttons. Or, or you could, dear. No, that's okay. Just some advice as you begin this morning to think about what does it mean for me to pursue this life of joy in terms of my devotional life with Christ. And I just want to make some suggestions. Number one, first of all, pray before you begin anything. And what I mean is, um, I don't just mean pray every time you start your devotional. Or pray every time that you're going to spend time with God. What I mean is, today, tomorrow, whenever you choose to do this, take a moment and pray about the year. Pray about your new attempt to seek God in this way. Pray for joy. Pray for God's Spirit to come and be with you in a special way in devotional times in the coming year. Pray for enlightenment. Pray for God to do something. Pray for God to work a miracle in your life. If you're sitting there thinking, boy, I've tried this before. 20 years I've heard preachers say that on New Year's Day we need to start a new devotional life with God. And I... Well, this year, as you begin, I want you to start your time with prayer. And again, not just start your devotional time with prayer each day. You need to do that. But stop and spend a half an hour. Spend an hour, if that's what you need, in prayer, asking God to bless you in a new spiritual walk with Him in 2011. I think God will bless you. I think He'll answer that prayer. I think there can be a joy that comes to you in Christ like you've never experienced before. It's not like God is up there thinking, I don't want these Christians to be joyful in 2011. Not really wanting to bless them this year. Of course he's wanting to bless us. He wants to bless us richly. And so start from the beginning with an extended time of prayer. Asking God to bless you through the presence of his spirit. With a joyful seeking after him. God will bless you. The next one Keith please. Start small with your quiet time diet. But start. If you need to start small, start small. Start with five minutes, start with ten minutes, whatever you need to do to begin. But whatever you do, don't put it off. Don't not start. Some of you are thinking, I've tried this before, it never really stays with me. Well, that's a great excuse, isn't it, to never start again? Tried this one before? 
Tried to begin my new year reading the Bible before. Didn't finish. Don't even want to start this year. I won't carry it through. Start anyway. If you've done number one, your odds went up considerably in terms of you finishing. And so let me encourage you to start somewhere. Start small if you need to, but start start from the beginning there of the year and God will bless you. Number three, Keith, please. Third, seize the corporate opportunities. And all I mean by that is the times when we're here for worship, the times when you have to be with your small group, seize those opportunities. Don't let them go by. If you aren't part of a life group this year, Yet, get into one. Um, If you are here this first Sunday of the year thinking, new commitment to Christ, I'm going to be there on Sundays every time. Do it! Be here every Sunday, every time. And I promise you that God will use that method also to bless you. Okay? So seize the corporate opportunities that are presented. We have all kinds of things that we do in order to get people involved. Seize those chances. Number four, Have a plan. Don't just start reading at Genesis 1 and move to Leviticus. Okay? Now, the fact is is that I can help you with this. If you want a method of reading the Bible that you think will be more productive than just starting at the beginning, I encourage you to give me a call, shoot me an email, and say, can you help me with this? And I will be glad to do so. We've actually already done this. If you look in the bulletin for today, you'll see on the left-hand page there's a word search for the kids And then there's a column there that lists a couple of months, I think it is, of Bible readings to get you started in the New Testament for 2011. So if you think, well, I don't know where else to start, there's the plan right there in the bulletin for you to follow. And when it's time, after we've finished those first 10 weeks or whatever is listed in the bulletin, then we'll give you the new weeks and you can continue with that. But please, make the plan, stick to it. And if you need some help with that, if you think, well, I don't really like the one that's in the bulletin, give me a call. We can work on some others. You can find them online. It's easy to find a reading plan. So I encourage you to do that. And then number five, last one. Don't just read the Bible. Read devotional literature. Um, I certainly want you to read the Bible. When I say don't just read the Bible, I'm not saying please substitute something else for the Bible. (laughs) That is not my point. Instead of substituting, I want you to supplement All of us need to be in the Word of God and growing in that way. But supplement that with some wonderful devotional literature. And I can help you with that too. If you think, well, I don't know where to start, don't know what to read, then shoot me an email and I'll send back to you some suggestions about what you could read that will help you grow as you start 2011. If nothing else, start with Max Lucado. I don't know how many books the guy's written, but he's written... You know, probably forty or something, and you can you can read something. His early stuff. If you if if you're a, rather late in the Max Lucado game, you want to read something earlier. Go back and read his earlier stuff. It's really really good. Okay. Now I will admit that after you've read about four or five Lucado books, pretty soon they start sounding a bit alike. And after you've read twenty, they're really sounding a lot alike. But if you haven't read those, then read one or two or three as you begin 2011, and God will bless you in the process. And if you don't like Lucado and you want to read something else. Then again, shoot me an email and I will send you back a list of things that you can read that will be a blessing to you as you start 2011. Now, the question is, will we do it? Will we do it? And let me tell you what I think here is at stake. 
Do you have any kind of vision at all for what it means for you to be the follower of Christ that you want to be? Chances are you do. And if you're like me, most of the time, I'm frustrated because I don't measure up to the vision of what I think God wants me to be. Most of the time I look at my life and I think, man, I'm pathetic. I'm just not at all what God wants me to be. And then there are those moments when I get kind of excited and I start to do something and all of that seems to change and my perspective changes. It gets altered. And as my perspective changes and I move forward, I start actually accomplishing some of the things at least that God wants me to do and to be. And it is wonderful. Some of you probably had this experience over the holidays. Someone somewhere asked you to play a game over the holidays. They ask you to play um, Settlers of Catan. Or they ask you to play Monopoly. Or they ask you to play Scrabble. Or they ask you to play some card game. And if you're like me, I'm a little bit bah humbug when it comes to those things. Now, what I find is, someone will say, let's play Settlers of Catan, and I say, nah, not interested. But then, they'll convince me, and I start to play, and pretty soon, I'm right into it. Or someone will play, say, let's play Rook, and so I'm ready to play Rook, but not really, and so I play Rook, and then pretty soon, I'm right into it, and excited about it. And what changed was, my beginning perspective was kind of bah humbug, And in the middle of the game, it's like a light turns on and everything changes and my mind and attitude are right into the game. And my suggestion is this year when it comes to doing what God wants us to do, that even if you think, "Uh, not really into this, do it anyway. What's going to happen is that as you get into this, that God is going to bless you richly. And the vision for what you think you should be in Christ can actually, in 2011, be fulfilled in a significant way. And you look and say, I've never done this before, but now it's happening. And that is a great feeling. One that is so much a blessing that you will be incredibly filled with joy. That God will bless you through the presence of his spirit. Put that spiritual smile on your face that only God can provide. And you can be in a place in 2011 where you've never been before. Well, that's what's at stake. That opportunity, that chance for you to experience all that God wants you to be. And I think this is the place to start. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would fill all of us, every one of us, me and everybody else here. Fill us this year with your joy. God, send your spirit in a significant way into our hearts. Help us, Father, to take small steps that will move us in the direction of knowing you better, but experiencing you more fully. Help us, Father, to experience your joy, the excitement of what it means to be in Christ. Father, for all of us who have tried this before, it's not happened. Give us the desire to try it again. 
Get us involved in this, Lord, in the middle so that we say, oh, I'm so glad that I started to do this. Fill us with your pleasure. Fill us with your joy through your spirit. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.